Hello, this is Michael Gallagher from the Center for Research and Digital Education. Uh, we are here to recording episode nine, nine. nine of the M&M podcast. Again, this is Michael Gallagher. Uh, Miles Blaney. Marcello Kula. And Marcus Brenes. <gasps> All right. All right. We have two guests here yes. today. We're pretty excited about two more M's to include. Uh, Marcello, can you tell us what you do here at the university? Yes, I am an instructional designer, part of the EDE team here okay. at uh, the lovely Argyle House from the inside, not from the outside, may I say. Yes, we're actually, we should say we're here at Mark Argyle House here today. We have a lovely view of the castle. Lovely view mm. of the castle, recording on location. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> can you introduce uh, yourself as well, Marcus? Yes, so I'm working closely with Michael on this project on expanding the teacher function. Okay, thank you. Much appreciated. Exclusively. So exclusively. Exclusively on one project. Yes. So the project we're going to be talking about today, what we have been talking about in some form or another, write this podcast, explicitly really. or implicitly throughout the podcast has been uh, this expanding the teacher function. Uh, it's a project that's been running since July or maybe even earlier, July of uh, last year. Mm. Uh, and it's a, a explore, exploring how we might augment the teacher function, which is defined in a paper by Sean Bain as being an assemblage of... I love that word. It's a great word. An assemblage of student-teacher-agency, algorithm, and code. I had to slow down because I couldn't quite wow. remember the full definition. But that's what the teacher function is. The teacher function. That's a, it's a term we're using for this project and to talk about in this podcast, how we might augment the overall teacher function through the use of automated agents. So this has been ongoing for quite some time, and uh, we're going to speak a little bit today about what we're learning from some of the events that we've been running, along with how we approached it methodologically as well. So I was wondering, maybe I can hand it over to Marcus a little bit to talk about what was the methodology we employed for this project, going back to July. Right, so uh, we took an approach where we kind of, we had to decide where to start, and we thought rather than being too fascinated by all the exciting technologies that are out there in the world, we figured we need to speak to people at the university and get a sense of what people want here and what they need. And then based on that, we can try to identify the technologies that are suitable uh, to, to, to their needs. And, but the basic idea of the technology we wanted to use was bots or chatbots. So to create kind of a, interfaces where students or teachers can engage with bots through conversation. And to kind of explore those possibilities, we set up a range of workshops, both with students and teachers, where we started exploring these possibilities. This is, of course, somewhat difficult because we, we don't know these technologies very well in the sense of how they're going to play out in a higher education environment. They do exist to some extent, and many of you will have used them when you engage with Amazon or other big companies when you're trying to get some information. But we're now trying to think about how they can be used in higher education. So when we invite people to speak about these things, we have to frame this discussion somehow, but without limiting them too much to kind of how we envision it. So we're kind of setting up workshops in a very explorative way where we invite people to come with their ideas and to, to think about the teacher function and where various forms of automation may fit in and might be useful in their everyday life. So we ran all these workshops and collected ideas and um, 
which we found very stimulating and useful to 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 think of new use cases that we wouldn't be able to come up with because people work in very different disciplines and different environments and have very different needs. Um, so that was very constructive. But then we also conducted interviews with teachers and students to get kind of more uh, deeper conversations around these topics. And they, these conversations weren't as constructive in the sense of coming up with original and new use cases, but they were they enabled us to um, engage in deeper discussions about what the teacher function is and the challenges of using automation. Uh, so we, we've used different methods to, to collect data and they kind of brought forward different things, but now we're putting those together and that is uh, have, has given us a very rich material to work with and, and to develop these yeah. use cases. That's what, yeah. Very good. So th th we might build upon the fact that those events were designed, like you said, as uh, sort of uh, speculative bits of work. We didn't have prescri uh, prescribed solutions in mind when we started these things. Actually, we were employing a bit of Jen Ross's and Amy Collier's work on speculative methodologies and this idea that some of these technologies are not yet ready. They're in a, a degree of immaturity. We're not really sure how they impact these things. So we walked into the events, I think, largely with the idea that we that a lot of these would be half-formed ideas, they wouldn't be fully realized kind of mm -hmm. concepts. But in, in my experience, I don't know, maybe you agree, maybe you disagree, maybe Marcello, you can chime in here as well, is this idea that we didn't find there were, was a lot of difficulty in expressing a coherent use of the technology in an educational space. Some of the ideas were much more fully formed than we originally perhaps mm. thought they would be. So maybe we can kick over to Marcello. I think you've been running a few events as well. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things with the chatbots is, is really trying to get underneath the, the skin of education, trying to, to explore this new new space. And as Miles, I'll, I'll tell you as well, when we do the, the sort of workshops, we're, we're kind of almost expecting some sort of a, a backlash within like, no, this is, this is not going to impede on my teaching space. This is not going to take over my job. But if anything, we've been really surprised at how receptive some of the staff have been when we've gone to, in fact, all of the, the workshops we've been doing. They seem to be very receptive to the technology, what it can do, its possibilities. Um, and in some ways, that's that's actually probably been the most interesting part of it, I would say. I would say even the students. Ones yeah, the student really ones are brilliant. The students, the students really engaged with it. Yeah. They didn't have any kind of qualms about it. They just like... Oh my God, this is this is brilliant. I really like this, and uh, they thought of some really kind of um, scary, but some really practical use cases for using chatbots and automation as well. Yeah. I think it's, you know, like Mark just said, there's a it's blue sky to make sure that we don't limit them. We find that speaking to some staff, they were immediately limited by what they thought they knew about the technology and the possible adoption of it. Yeah, and it's difficult because it's so. It's so vast a topic that they think, oh, they go in this kind of yeah. silo. No, we can't do that. That's I think yeah, that's an interesting point. So like the conversations we had as well. So that sort of forced us to reconsider how we were approaching this. It, we started as as a bot focused project, and the bot sort of implies the dialogue around. Uh, there's some sort of interface, a dialogue interface around these yeah, kinds of things, a conversation of yeah. some sort around these things, and uh, and then we we started to move slightly away from that categorization uh, the categorization of strictly just conversational interfaces and moving into a broader range of what uh, automation could provide yeah. 
-hmm. And we felt that we, I don't know, we didn't start the project with that in mind. We started the project with specifically with chatbots in mind. But we sort of broadened it out because the use cases themselves were a little bit more illustrative of like people identifying functions they wanted improved. Yeah. And Can I think that's the value yeah. of the of this engagement with the community that we they're pushing us to to move away from a specific technology yes. that we kind of had we thought this was the solution but actually through that engagement we think we realize that this is not the appropriate technology in that's all right. cases that's right it's, it's a very much a, a community-led kind of R&D effort I think a research and development effort and, I think and this engagement as well this this kind of involvement of the wider community into thinking about the uses of technologies and in, in everyday teaching it's kind of something that I know that we've talked about previously. It's, it's kind of key that it shouldn't just be a one-hit one thing that we do once yes. with a project with funding. Yes. It should be an ongoing discussion to say, because right. things are evolving pretty quickly right now. Um, and, um, you know, if you think about the generation coming to the university in the next three, four years, how they use technology and in academics, how they use technology as well, there might be gaps there. We need to make sure that um, what we're using is, is okay, is, yeah. is equivalent. Yeah, that's a good point. I think we can come back to, to this in a second, because I think some of the stuff, what it told us about teaching at the university period was beyond what bots we might make or what automation functionality we might create. What it told us about teaching just in general, how people view teaching was illustrative of itself. And I think we can talk about that from the paper we're writing now. Uh, but Martello, can you tell us a little bit about the events themselves? Who were they... With were they specifically with like faculty or staff or outside the university? Yeah, I think the first, the very first one we ran was actually with with students. It was part of the uh, festival of uh, creative, learning. creative learning. Yeah, and that was it was actually opened out to, to anybody, but it was predominantly students that came. Mm. And um, since then, it's I mean that one then with that with a full that was a full on you know fully loaded workshop where we started from drafting the bot to actually building a mock of it. Um, using one of the tools we had um, and that was by far the most adventurous one we've done uh, but since then we've been asked to do other ones with sort of um, academic staff we had one with it with student recruitment student recruitment yeah, the one yeah. as well um, um, student recruitment agency and, and that was a, as a full day doing yeah four or five workshops yeah and they were they were quite intensive they were 45 minute yeah. workshops so we had to get them to think about the concept uh, write the questions and, and all that kind of thing. So we were just getting them to think a little bit deeper about, you know, when they were mapping out the conversation, how, how difficult it is. You know, this is not just a simple, straightforward, you know, ask ask the question, answer the question, and then so on and so forth. They had to think about sort of the tone yeah. and language. The, yeah, FAQ thing comes up quite a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, it's like an FAQ. We get urged up and you're like, no, nah, you, you, can't, you can't do that within... Within a conversational interface, mm -hmm. it's a conversation. You've got to try and, and pick things. Yeah. Um, where I think some people are like, no, it's just an FAQ. <laughs> yeah. As soon as they start writing it up, they're like, oh, oh no, it's, no, it's not an FAQ at all. Yeah. And yeah. then we'd, we'd engage with them and say, you know, where, what technology would you use? How open would this be? And people start thinking about data yeah. and privacy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and whether they want to be sharing this information publicly with people or whether they want to even be sharing it with their tutor. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. Just the process itself reveals a lot of the con uh, the surrounding yes the surrounding issues, and it, and a lot of this reveals the teaching as well. I think is having the conversation about how you would design something 
what naturally surfaced these. Yeah, and it was, I think there was elements of AI were creeping into it as well, and That's people right. were talking about things that even things like gender were popping up, and, and the voice that would be used, and these weren't even planned as part of the workshop. So That's you know, right. we were getting hit with these questions and yeah. being like, "This is a whole nother level of of AI that." We don't even have time to cover this right That's now. That's correct. This yeah. is another workshop within itself. That's right. Yeah. The gendering and then the humanizing yeah. of the bots is a very particular. Yeah. Uh, sensitive. It's very sensitive. I mean, I think some of the critical literature might suggest it's not <laughs> completely necessary either. Yeah. Why, why are we necessarily humanizing the things? It's a natural tendency, I think, people to do these kind of the Alexa and the series of the world. And well, yeah. I think you, get, you maybe get better buy-in to an area where you say, oh, yeah, but it's just like um, it's like speaking to a human. And you're like, maybe that's where some private companies want to hide behind because sure. they want to have that facade of, yeah. it is a human. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. so good, it's like a human. And we're like, yeah, that can that can be quite negative as well. Interesting. So yeah. you ran events with, with staff, you ran events with Students students uh, got asked to do one externally, not a part of the university, but it was off the back of the uh, the alt conference that the university okay. hosted. Um, and they were just looking at the vet, what interested about the technology and where it could fit and, you know, looking at different areas. It wasn't just about teaching. Some of them were talking about it from a student support and counselling perspective. Um, saying, you know, could it, you know, is it is it ethical to hand that over to to a bot to answer simple questions or should a human always engage in the process from start to finish? Sure. Um, so there's all these real nice topics that were coming out of it. Interesting. But again, the workshop, I suppose it's nice that the workshops are just an hour, but it's almost like they're not enough. There's almost other workshops that could That's right. spin out of this. So it started to become this mixture between sort of chatbots, AI, and we were just simply using pen and paper to just to illustrate these points, we weren't even using the tech, we didn't even really talk about the technology until the very end. Yes. So these people were already thinking about that before we even dived into those topic areas, which yes. were really interesting. That's fascinating. Hey, so what you said about the support bit, I think is kind of, because that sort of speaks to our teacher bit as well, that we were just going to talk about. It's like this idea of like, they've identified, should a human be involved in this support? If we're talking about pastoral support, like, or student support, or... Yeah psychological support, you know, whatever it might be, service support, uh, you know, what points are the human involved in this process from start to finish, Also, which sort of suggests that a human is currently involved in that process from start to finish, which may or may not be the case. Presumption. Which is a little bit of a presumption. We, we had a lot of that with our own discussions with, is this idea of what teaching is versus what it should be? Yeah. And I think this, uh, this idea that the bot is necessarily replacing something that already exists which is not always the case yeah. it is the assumption that it's the case but the coverage is not always as complete as we or comprehensive we, we might think and when when was that uh the external uh, that was actually just before christmas just before so we, christmas. yeah so we did that there and that was just again it was something that spun out of the out of the old conference interesting and it would just had a completely different flavor to into you know i went into it I say this to Miles every time I go into it with a slightly, like nobody's going to grab onto this. This is going to be really negative. They're going to hate it. Yeah. And if anything, the opposite happens, more questions get asked yeah. and just more use cases just keep popping up. And I keep coming away from every single one immediately. Maybe that says more about my own mindset, but I come away from it just more fascinated and looking at how big it is. It's yeah. just so, so big and yeah. so rich that I think that what we touch on is just 
just come in the surface. I think we had the same experience in the sense that we yeah. kind of, before we go, we're a bit worried how people respond because mm. people are a bit, maybe they will resist the idea and the fear of robots replacing teachers. But when we get in there, people are, and when they get what we're trying to do, they're, they're really enthusiastic. Yeah, that's, maybe it's a, good, it's a good chance to talk about what we were talking about yesterday when we're sort of drafting the research for this, we're writing these into papers now, is this idea of what the interviews were telling us versus what the events were telling us. Mm. You want to you wanna speak to that a little bit, or am I putting you on the spot? Yeah, no, you keep going. That's fair. <laughs> Sorry. That was not a rehearsed question. I just threw that in there. Uh, all right, so the idea is that we've been interviewing and uh, largely faculty with some students as well, and we've asked them questions. And a lot of the data that's coming out of the interviews is about... Um, they, they can see the utility, but it's all about the concern, right? So it's about the ethics is a, is, a, is a large issue there. There is some speculative imagination about how these can be used and how it redefines practice, but there is this separation, I think, in the interviews, in the data, generally, uh, between the human and then the bot. Yeah. So in the events themselves, the use cases and the, the, the pro probably because it's structured that way, but the use cases emerging from this are coherent uh, humans and bots working in tandem, that they're able to identify a larger process of teaching, and then the question of whether it's a bot doing that function or a human doing that function is sort of secondary. Mm -hmm. They're identifying these things working naturally in tandem. There's no separation of the two things. There's no dichotomy there between those two things. And mm -hmm. I've noticed that's the difference between, at least not, not exclusively, but that's the difference between the interview data versus... But then the question is, is it because of the way we phrase the questions or or the interview situation that doesn't really open up for exploring in the same way as in a workshop? I think it's a good point. I think mm. the methodology is really critical how you present these I things. It's the language around it, like you say, you know, how you present that question. If you say somebody, some, if you say somebody right now about automation and bots, like in the current media, it's presented a, cert, a set way. So yeah. everybody has a presumption that we are going at it a set way. Yes. And I think for, for what is something you guys have been doing on, on, on what we've always said is that you know the technology is the, the last thing we need to identify the, the pedagogy use cases that were beneficial and then figure out how we get the technology to do that for us. That's right. Can we talk about a little bit some of the themes that are emerging in that paper? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I did it again. I just threw a question out. Ad-libs. Sorry. Impromptu. Was yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Impromptu. So I think some of the things that are emerging from, uh, we're starting to analyze all the data and start to get the themes. And we're translating, at least in the first paper, we're translating those themes, not necessarily into use cases. That's the second paper. Yes. So we're, sa we're saving the use cases for development and design. We want to explore these in prototypes and things like that. But in this process, in this first paper, we're sort of describing how what, what this research is telling us and how that might redefine how we approach teaching or pedagogy itself. And there are core elements of that that the data is suggesting are absolutely necessary going forward, whether or not that's being serviced by a bot or whether or not that's being serviced by a human teacher or code or algorithms or whatever it might be. And some things like, for example, the importance of contact time mm -hmm. emerges again and again and again. This idea of what contact time means in these spaces and whether or not uh, an automated agent can enhance the capacity to, to, to deliver contact time. So contact time with, with who? That's, that's a big question. <laughs> the, that's, the amb, that's the ambiguity Sorry. in the data. Sorry. And that's the ambiguity in terms of what comes out of the interviews versus... So in the interviews, it's largely presented as a concern. 
okay. Uh, that automated agents will largely reduce our ability to have contact time. And I think in the interviews, we're largely talking about teacher to student okay. contact time. Okay. In the events, I think it's a little bit different, right? So in the events, it's a little bit more about um, teacher to, uh, student to student interactions, it's okay. teacher to student interactions, institution to student, institution to teacher. You know, there's all these myriad of connections that could equate to contact time. I think with the events you were doing with support, yeah. support would be a part of that contact time as well. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's presented very ambiguously sometimes in the interviews versus in the other forms of data. Yeah. So I think what you said in the interviews, we get a bit of the, the broader narrative and concerns about automation. So contact time falls under that. Here we can automate, we can get rid of the teachers, we can let the students talk to bots instead and everything will be fine and people are worried about that. But that's not what we're looking to do because that's directly co in contrast to the values of this university. So we're rather trying to think of how can we use these bots then to facilitate contact time in, main, in ways that are meaningful both to teachers and students. That's correct. And I, yeah, that's a good point about the values. So, so the values are coming out of the, we're using the values that emerge from the Near Future Teaching Project as a means of uh, evaluating the use cases that are generating in the events. Mm -hmm. So we're saying, does this increase diversity? Does it promote justice? Does it lend itself to experience over assessment? Does it, et cetera, et cetera. So there's the these values that we're filtering all these use cases through. And if it does those things, or it attempts or could be configured to do those things, it's a keeper. We're starting to see it like it's something we can keep. How can a bot conceivably promote diversity? And well, we know because we talked about it earlier today. Yeah. But yeah, so <laughs> so there are surprisingly there are automated agents that latch on to these values a little bit more readily than others. And there are other parts from uh, what we were talking about yesterday too. Uh, anything that springs to mind, Marcus? Um, well, <laughs> no, it's, it's going to be a great paper. <laughs> Stay tuned. No, uh, we're, we're engaging with some literature on mobilities for this. We think that's a very fascinating aspect because mobilities is often used primarily in social sciences anyway to look at how people move and the, the frequency and the pace of mobilities movements between locations often. But we're now looking at kind of the, um, the construction of knowledge or information and how these automated agents or bots can facilitate the flow and the pace of knowledge sharing between teachers and students of so kind of how those processes are being reshaped through through bots which we think is very fascinating we're still working on it we're still working on that yeah it's interesting as well because you can you can see right now in yet again the media about echo chambers and about that kind of thing being created yes about that information and it's actually Bigger and bigger problems. Mm. That's great. You know, flat, uh, flat Earth. Flat, <laughs> the amplification of noise and nonsense yes. and these types of things. Actually, mobility's literature works pretty well in that mm. space too. So, it identifying where that mobility is not happening or where the wrong kind of mobility is happening. Exactly. Fake news, for example. And I think some of the use cases even speak to that. Even some of the ones we're exploring now speak to the how we might interact with those kinds of spreads of disinformation or mm. misinformation or biased information or these types of things. So mm. mobility is a big part of this. A few of the factors that we're looking at too that came up in the data again and again is uh, the idea of transparency. Uh, whatever we do would have to be transparent and transparency is a, is a pretty difficult uh, position to pin down. Mm -hmm. What does transparency mean? I mean what, not just in terms of what kind of data we're, we're collecting 
how it's being used? Yeah. And are the students involved in that process? Can they learn from this process? Can they engage with these decisions? Yeah. And something we kind of talked about with David in the last podcast as well. That's right. Um, so, it's, it's, you know, and even asking students, it's, it's funny because I think in the student-led workshop, there's no real conversation about where's my data? Because we asked yeah. them what platform was going to be on and they'd actually build like real life prototypes in an application. And we'd be like, where would you put this? And they'd be like, I think one team were like, we'll put this on Twitter. And you're like, yeah, but this is you showing the world what you're doing right now. Are you happy with that, that resource? And it's very visible. Um, and then they were like, oh no, I don't like that actually. I don't want to be invisible. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think it, it's something that like, I'm not 100% sure on is, is how comfortable people feel or how much knowledge they have about yeah. where the data is and how it's being used and how it could be used as well. So yeah, it's a, it's, that's an interesting point too. I don't think the ethical, there's clearly a huge ethical dimension to this conversation. And then we've talked about in some of the previous podcasts yeah. as well. But in the data, I don't think that the, the ethical bit came out in the events as readily as in the interviews. So mm -hmm. if you give somebody a set of questions in a one-on-one -on -one kind of format, uh, the ideas of concerns and caveats and like we, we have to be careful about what there's an ethical concern, ethical concern here or yeah. there or whatever it might be, that was much more readily apparent in the interview data. Maybe mm. I'm simplifying that a little bit too much. No, I think you're right about that. And uh, sorry, just to bring it back to what we spoke about sure. yesterday in relation to the transparency, I think we, we had a bit of a discussion about uh, if we bring in the bots or other forms of automation, to what extent are the students do they have any agency in it or are they kind of subjected not only to the teacher but also to some automated agents so you're kind of creating a new power structure another level above the students that are kind of controlling them mm -hmm. or or is there space to give them some sort of power within this uh, teacher student code algorithm uh, relationship it's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah, so what agency does the student largely have in this process? So you're right. Are we just creating another power layer mm. on top of them that reduces agency largely? There was a few other bits that came out in, in very interesting ways in the data as well. I think it was uh, the idea of uh, going back to the transparency is the opposite of that, is the, the invisibility, visibility thing. Uh, some students, and you can see pedagogical positive impact of invisibility. And I think this goes to a little bit of Sean's paper. Had a paper on um, uh, TikTok or not oh, TikTok? Uh, uh, oh, yik yak. Yik yak. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, this it idea. So anymore. it doesn't exist anymore. But this idea of invisibility and what pedagogical role that could serve. Mm. So the idea of invisibility, the, the freedom to fail quietly, was maybe a space that a bot could sort of service a particular function as well, right? Yeah, we don't always want to be observed, especially when you're kind of playing and messing about and getting to know all bits and pieces. Yes. But, but when we've kind of established some certainty, we know this a bit, then we can show off or try it in front of the teacher and then get the feedback. That's right. But and, it, and it's funny about Yik Yak, it was anonymous, posting anonymous and geolocation based. And then they said, we're going to make it unanonymous. And the app collapsed. Yes. <laughs> oh, really? like, surprise, surprise. Yeah, we, we don't <laughs> yeah. want to be. Surprised it didn't work out. Because really <laughs> we actually used it for, because we were based in our office beside the library. So we check and what people were saying about the tools that we were using. So we'd actually have a have a wee look into it as well to see yeah. if we're doing upgrades. We send out some certain information and what people would say about that. And as anonymous, and it was really interesting for us sometimes. Interesting. We actually even tried posting on it for some information about the service is going to be down. And then if you've got five 
dislikes or thumbs on your post goes away. Interesting. I mean, the role of invisibility in these spaces. And yes. I think not just taking over, uh, I think there was a lot of mention in the interviews as well about, which we're using in the paper, about these, this transition between high volume, low impact tasks that we currently have teachers doing and flipping that a bit. So you want the teachers, you don't want this Nobel laureate kind of professor just marking exams all day long. I think that was one of from mm -hmm. the data. And uh, we're switching it into more uh, low volume, high impact tasks. And, but we want to make sure we're not saying that the bot is only going to handle those high-volume things. That there's a role for the bot in these, these low-volume, low high-impact tasks as well, these higher-order bits of thinking. And I think some of the use cases speak to that as well. And it's interesting as well. There was people talking last week on Twitter about the uh, automated assessment marking by bots. Yeah. Just to flip it right now, there is interest in that field as well. That's right. Which is really frightening. Yeah, it's, it's, it's everywhere. Yeah, it's quite a bit. So I think that's probably a good chance to wrap up here uh, because we're, we're nearing the 30-minute mark. Yes. And this is usually where we this cut off. This is where we have to stop. This is yeah, we have a hard work. stop here at, uh, at, at 30, mostly because we're going to lose this room in a little bit. So yeah. we want to want to be respectful of our, of our office mates. So I will close it down. And thanks for the conversations. Thanks for joining us, Marcello. Thanks for joining us, Miles. Thank you. Not sorry, no, Miles. Marcus. Miles is over there. Marcus is over here. I'm getting confused with the M's too. Too many M's. All right. Too so I'll sign off. This is uh, Michael Gallagher saying goodbye. Uh, Miles Blaney. Bye-bye. Marcello Kula. Bye-bye. And Marcus Brainis. Thank you.